I'm Greg Oliar. Four years ago, I stopped writing novels to report on the crimes of Donald Trump and his associates. In 2018, I wrote a best-selling book about it, Dirty Rubles. In 2019, I launched Prevail, a bi-weekly column about Trump and Putin, spies and mobsters, and so many traitors! Trump may be gone, but the damage he wrought will take years to fully understand. Join me and a revolving crew of contributors and guests as we try to make sense of it all. This is Prevail. Thanks for listening to Muller She Wrote. The she in Muller She Wrote is no accident. Did you know we are 100% women-owned and operated? Every single person that helps make this podcast possible identifies as a woman. Our creative and web design, our engineer and producers, our editors and digital media manager, our agent, our ad execs, our merchandising manager, and even the postal service clerk that helps me with shipping in our P.O. box. All women and all LGBTQ plus allies. We will continue to employ and partner with women as our podcast grows, but we could use your help. Please support women in podcasting by visiting MullerSheWrote.com and become a patron today. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That's what he said. That's what I said. That's obviously what our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller She Wrote. I'm your anonymous host, A.G., uh, Benedicting the Cumberbatch. Um, <laughs> I work high up in Trump's executive branch, so I have to remain anonymous to comply with the Hatch Act. With me, as always, is Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. We have a jam-packed show for you today. In case you didn't recognize, there was a little bit of news this week. Uh, and we also have Greg Proops from Whose Line Is It Anyway that airs on The CW. And he is the host of the podcast, The Smartest Man in the World. He's also a staunch feminist and kind of a hero of mine, so that'll be a, a fun interview. Jordan is going to give us an update on Manafucked. And Jaleesa will be going over a New York Magazine story about how long Trump has been a Russian asset. It's an interesting theory, and, and I wanted to share it with everyone. Uh, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about the Strzok hearings. But in order to get to everything we have this week, we're going to just jump right in with just the facts. Okay, so Giuliani, our, our good friend, made some uh, definitely not suffering from dementia, uh, made some television appearances, and he blathered on like an idiot, almost as if he heard me last week saying how nice it was to have a break from him. It appears he's continuing what I like to call the Lube the Maggots tour. Um, he basically goes on TV and defies things Trump has lied about in the past so he can lube up his base with the truth so that when it when he has to slide the truth in, it, it goes in a little easier. Oh, yeah. Um, your ears, by the way, don't get dirty. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, so Lube the Maggots tour. This week, uh, he told us that Trump did ask Comey to drop the Flynn investigation, something Trump has emphatically denied uh, multiple times. 
Um, and our guest last week, Scott Dworkin, tweeted about another Giuliani thing that he said when he told ABC he had debriefed all the Mueller witnesses, which sounds an awful lot like witness tampering mm-hmm. and obstruction of justice. Definitely. Um, but anyway, it appears that that's his job now, is to get the truth out casually and slowly, or lube the maggots, like I said, over time, so that when the impeachment happens, none of the Trump supporters will, will care. They'll be like, oh, no, we know he did that. It's not illegal, even though he's lied multiple times about it because he knew it was illegal. Yeah, I can see that working, sadly. It will. Totally. It'll work for about, I think, probably about 31%. Yeah, um, the ish. people that easily forget. Mm-hmm. 24 uh, definitely, 24% definitely will <laughs> we'll continue to like take that, you know, that lubed, lubed up truth yeah. <laughs> um, handily. Uh, then a sixth and seventh person. Uh, has come forward with allegations against Jim Jordan in the child molestation story at Ohio State University, where he was an assistant wrestling coach and mandated reporter of abuse, by the way. It was by law he had to to say something, and he didn't. We spoke to Scott Dworkin, as I said last week, about Jim Jordan, so check out that episode for more details. Jordan has still not resigned amid these allegations, which is indicative of Republican family values, I think. (laughs) Um, Giuliani confirmed this week that the White House tried to stop Mueller from interviewing John Kelly. Emmett Flood sought to limit the scope of interview questions for Kelly, and Giuliani confirmed this stance of saying no to interviews, and he he confirmed that it's a new thing because the old legal team used to allow interviews to go forward all the time, such as with Kushner. So he basically stood up on television and said, oh yeah, we're dicks. Uh, Flynn... Our good buddy. He attended a hearing on Tuesday. We talked about that last week. Where have you been, Flynn? (laughs) Uh, Last week, a judge ordered Flynn to appear at a status hearing for his pending case. And it turns out what happened was the judge really just wanted to meet him. Because if you remember, the first judge in the Flynn case had to recuse himself, likely because he's a former FISA court judge. And uh, this new judge had not met Flynn yet. The judge also used the opportunity to tell Mueller's team... Despite Flynn's lawyer's ask to hurry it up, like he wants to get back to his life. Yeah, shut up. Uh, He told the Mueller team that the prosecution can pretty much take all the time they need. Um, A status update is due from Mueller on August 24th, but the judge said that even then he would happily grant uh, additional delays in sentencing. So just whatever you need, basically. And they're getting more information from him the longer this goes on too i imagine yeah either that or they're waiting for the trial so that he can testify because you don't want to sentence until after you you want to have that sentencing hanging over their heads while they're you know testifying right exactly in a trial then we have a lot of manafort news this week and jordan will go over that later in the show Uh, Then more American journalists and the BBC started releasing reports about the Trump and Epstein underage sex parties in the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, They were well attended by Trump uh, and underage models as young as 14. Uh, We we alluded to these allegations and the potential existence of video evidence in last week's episode, so keep your eye on this. There may be evidence uh, that could really bring down this entire administration. Be wary of all these, or excuse me, be wary because all of these allegations will also likely take down Bill Clinton. Um, He was a member of of that group, and he attended those parties as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, it sounds like he might need to be taken down. And, And I've said on multiple occasions, if Mueller indicts any Democrats, I'm going to take that as truth yeah because you can't i'm not a republican being a democrat doesn't automatically make you a good person no and i don't pick what's true and what's not based on who i like and who i don't like and i I thought bill clinton was a fine president but i mean if he did this he needs to be prosecuted for yeah it. 
He's too smooth with the jazz. Yeah, he's like, I don't <laughs> trust him. <laughs> what if he was just a total nerd at the party? He's like, ladies, can I play my saxophone for you? <laughs> yeah. Like nothing ever happened. <laughs> he's totally going to be one of those creepy old grandpas. <laughs> Already is, I think. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, let me see that tush over there. Hmm. <laughs> and he really likes balloons. <laughs> um, also Wednesday, something hugely consequential to the Mueller probe went down. The Senate confirmed Brian Benchkowski. We've been talking about this guy for a year. He's a former lawyer for a Russian bank sanctioned for money laundering called Alpha Bank. And Alpha Bank was also mentioned in the dossier. And we found, uh, or, we, you know, we found out kind of early on that that the Alpha Bank servers were communicating with the Trump campaign servers in Trump Tower way at the beginning of the campaign. So here's what I think the grand plan of the of the GOP has been with this Benchkowski thing. This is kind of the grand plan. Step one, uh, request impossibly top secret documents from the Justice Department that you know Rosenstein is not allowed to hand over, right? Step two, try to impeach Rosenstein for not complying with the top secret, secret document request. Number three, fail at impeachment but Trump can fire Rosenstein for facing impeachment in the first place. He's like, well, he's a bad guy, should have been impeached, didn't get impeached, so I'm going to fire him. Number four, install a Russia-friendly guy to oversee the Mueller investigation. We've been positing this for a year. Mm -hmm. And now he's got Benchkowski in place. So, eh. He's the next in line. It would have been Noel Francisco, who, you know, we found right. having dinner with um, Rosenstein and Sessions. Yep. But uh, I guess it's not him anymore. Note that uh, Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia, is the only Democrat that voted to confirm Benchkowski. Hmm. I don't understand why he's a Democrat. Hmm. He always votes Republican. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. Like Joe Lieberman. Like, if you walk like a Republican, if you talk like a Republican, if you have sex with kids like a Republican, you're probably a Republican. Does that make him the old school Republican, though? Like, or old school Democrat? Because there was a switch, right? So maybe... Oh, from like... Abe Lincoln how, times? How old is he? <laughs> I don't think there he's might that be a old. reason. Yeah. He could be a former slave owner. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, who was the one guy? Anyway, it, no. <laughs> he's not that old. He's just a Republican. Like, why are you even. <laughs> anyway, Joe Manchin. Eat, eat shit. Um, the House Intel and Judiciary Committee subpoenaed Lisa Page. Uh, this week because they wanted her testimony ahead of Peter Strzok's, but she refused. Her her legal team said, no, you gave me short notice and you didn't give me any materials to review, so I'm not coming in. So, haha. So that, they, you know, they didn't get their little uh, Lisa Page interview prior to the Strzok interview, the public Strzok interview, which is what they really wanted. So they, so they tried to do what they did to Rosenstein and Ray. Yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> and then have all this information from Lisa that they could throw out and spin conspiracy theories uh, on television during the hearings for wow. Strzok, for Peter Strzok. So she can do that legally. She can refuse yeah. due to a short notice. Well, cool. I mean, they can always sue her and go to court. And oh, they can force her to comply. But you can refuse a subpoena. It, like a Nunberg thing? Like uh, when he was refusing? Because that seemed pretty crazy. Well, no, he ended up going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just had that drunken moment in history. Yeah, because he's sitting on the MSNBC <laughs> panel and this lawyer lady's like, dude, that is the dumbest thing. You face 18 months in prison. And he's like, oh, really? Hmm. And then, you know, maybe I'll go. Yeah, yeah. Dumbass. <laughs> uh, we also have a new nominee for the Supreme Court. And I had the privilege this week of speaking to a staunch women's rights activist about it. So let's take a listen. Today, we are proud to have one of the stars from Whose Line Is It Anyway? that you can see Monday nights at 9, 8 central on The CW and the host of the Smartest Man in the World podcast, one of my comedic heroes. Please welcome Mr. Greg Proops. Greg, how are you today? 
Uh, thank you, AG. What a lovely intro. I'm I'm quite well, thank you. I'm a little hungover. I OD'd on the hearings <laughs> for a couple days ago, and um, yeah, I, I had to blow out some steam last night. Yeah, understood. They were hard to watch. Oh my God! I think Jordan Coburn and I um, may or may not have had some wine last night. It's it's undisclosed. Right. So. What I wanted to talk to you today uh, about is among the massive news stories this week, uh, we found out that Trump nominated a guy named Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court after the suspicious departure of Justice Kennedy, by the way, who, to be fair, was probably already in Trump's back pocket because his kid, Justin, lent Trump a billion dollars when he worked at Deutsche Bank. But it's not really a coincidence, by the way. Totally. Just a coincidence. Nothing to see here. Mm. Uh, but I know you're a feminist. You're a huge supporter of a woman's right to choose. And I was wondering what your thoughts on this nomination are. Well, it's a broadside, isn't it? First of all, uh, as Jennifer pointed out to me the other day, um, of all the justices we, that have ever sat on the court, there's been, what, five, is it, that weren't white men? Yeah. So the idea that he was going to uh, do this end around – uh, there was that crop theory in the mainstream media for a while that he was going to do an end around and pick a woman, and then the woman would be the one to help uh, destroy Roe v. Wade, and then no one could go against her because you got to play the woman card no matter blah, blah, blah. That didn't happen, and I think picking Kavanaugh, who's uh, spent a career uh, with Clinton derangement syndrome, and both of his mentors did as well. I'm talking about Ken Starr. And, uh, yeah, their cat whose name I cleverly have forgotten just now um, shows that he's an insanely misogynist. Um, he's consistently voted against workers' rights. He's consistently voted against women's rights. And, you know, the whole carpool dad article that came out this week and all the crappy Republicans, well, he may be a misogynist Nazi, but gosh darn it, he's great to eat hot dogs with. Um <laughs> I really hate when they do that homespun. He's a regular guy, even though he kills Jews in ovens. Um, <laughs> defense, because it's so crap, isn't it? Um, you can be two different people. People are complex. Um, uh, Hitler loved his dog. He was a vegetarian so, painter, you know, right? Just because you have one redeeming quality and you're fun to carpool with doesn't mean you're not a Nazi. Two, I find it fascinating that he went into credit card debt over buying Nationals tickets have you no connections after 40 years in Washington? There's nobody who – I mean, my God. I haven't lived in San Francisco in a long time, but I could get Giants tickets if I needed them. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think he's dreadful. Um, I think he's that um, – what they really love. He's in the John Roberts mode of a lovable, handsome Catholic guy, Neil Gorsuch, who's really rotten to the core, evil, um, Middle Earth wizard, evil. <laughs> yeah, well, we know that this wasn't so much a Trump pick as much as it was like a, you know, that guy, Leonard Leo, the guy from the far mm -hmm. Federalist Society. He put together a list of 25 judges that would work to overturn Roe v. Wade. And, and he also donated a million dollars to Trump's inaugural fund and tried to cover it up. Uh, and he was um, instrumental in working to block Merrick Garland and also scores of other Obama judicial nominees. So he's, oh, he's a peach. peach. Sorry. That's it. That's he's he's a peach. Well, he he's uh, he's um, totally behind this, as well as the fact that it's my understanding, having read all these articles this week, that basically Kennedy signed off on Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of a baton passing. Um, and at no point did democracy or vetting rear their ugly heads. Mm -hmm. 
And that's how this group works now. We're in a real Russian controlled uh, – I'm going to mix about 15 political groups here. But we're in a Russian controlled mafia Nazi situation here. Mm-hmm. And of the two main uh, points of their agenda are to enrich themselves, obviously. And the other one is to inflict pain on women. Wow. I don't, I don't see it. How can it be any other way? To restrict abortion, to put children in jails, uh, 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 to cut back health care, to uh, uh, ignore gun control. Those are all aimed directly at women. You're right. And particularly poor women and particularly women of color. Because those issues that I just named, those five issues, uh, uh, no one is hurt more by ignoring them and destroying them than um, women of color. And that means poor women and that means immigrant women and that means – Maids and um, fast food workers and uh, 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 domestics and uh, the people who the people who basically keep the country going, especially in California. Yeah, and I, I you know what, I would add a third um, goal here. But he, he, Kavanaugh was the only pick that has written extensively that the president is above the law and can't face civil or federal criminal investigation or prosecution, and that's where it ties into the Mueller investigation because if Mueller subpoenas Trump and Trump fights it, it will likely go to the Supreme Court, like the Nixon tapes did. And now we have two judges on the court selected by Trump that would have to rule on that case. And it seems highly improper to me. So I, I think there might be that third self-preservation motivation as well. It's, it's mortally improper. Um, Kennedy would have done the same thing for him, but was too old and wanted to split with his money. And so Kavanaugh was the designated hitter on this one, I think. And I think you're absolutely right. The, uh, the other overarching concern of this was to make sure the court was sealed up with someone who'd make a completely unconstitutional out-of-field ruling for him. Um, there is, of course, no way that that stands. Uh, they can get it to stand there, the Supreme Court. But uh, if you look at Clinton, Nixon, Andrew Johnson, for Christ's sake, um, the times it's been trotted out, you know, a, a president is absolutely liable legally for what they do. And as I boringly pointed out before, uh, Kenneth Starr was one of his mentors, and Ken Starr uh, – had a, a an, an insane uh, 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 impetus or whatever you want to call it to destroy Bill Clinton by dragging um, his intern through the mud and humiliating her. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think you're right. Um, what I'm hoping for is that they can stall this, um, even if it requires cheating or changing the rules or falling down dead on the floor of the Senate or whatever it is they're going to do. We know that McConnell's moved everything around so that it doesn't require an acclamation. Uh, uh, what is, I can't remember the number now. Used, the number changed from being a majority to being like three Republicans from states that have no people in them is the new requirement <laughs> to confirm a Supreme Court justice. But um, I'm really hoping that Schumer and all of them are going to make good on this and just stall the Dickens out of it. I mean, Schumer is not my favorite, but there are a lot of really smart legal minds in the Senate. Uh, Dick Blumenthal uh, and Kamala Harris. And I, I really feel like with that many, you know, and the Congress as well, obviously the district I live in is we're lucky because I, I, we have Ted Lieu. Right. And um, Adam Schiff is a nearby district and they're both, real smart. And Adam Schiff is a keen legal mind. So there's got to be a way, I think, to, if you'll pardon the expression, jerk this around and stall like they did with Garland. I mean, there's no other way around this. They can't acquiesce and put this guy on the court. The illegitimacy of the presidency is, uh, uh, you know, other than to the Republican Party, 
a gigantic issue right now. Right. Um, there's too many things going on for them to even entertain filling this seat. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you bring up, you know, Kennedy might have done that uh, for Trump, too, if, if a subpoena went to the Supreme Court. But Kennedy look what might... he did for W. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, look what he did for W in 2000. You're absolutely the right. swing vote on that. But we have to remember that um, Kennedy might have had to recuse himself because of his son's ties to Deutsche Bank. Uh, and so that could have been part of the deal, too. Uh, Astutely noted, and I think you're right there as well. If that had blown up more, which they've really pushed off the front page, I noticed. Um, but then again, how do we keep everything on the front page? You've got Wilbur right. Ross and Jim Jordan and, you know, a hundred other th- plus the children in cages, which isn't going away. Um, I agree with you. I think he would have he would have because he was older uh, and had actually read a law book, probably recused himself from having to make that ruling, which would have left them in the same uh, gigantic subway sandwich boat they're in now, which is facing a four four with four sentient members of the Supreme Court and four Nazis on the Supreme Court. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, that, that's the uh, Greg. That's the part about um, I wanted to talk about Kavanaugh with you. I wanted to see if you maybe wanted to give us your uh, thoughts on the 12 Russian indictments that came out this week. Any any speculations as to maybe who might be next? Well, I think it vindicates the president completely, obviously. Um, Besides that, I mean, it's clear that he's you know, there's no collusion. <laughs> uh, Jennifer and I have been having a good old discussion about it. And um, I believe it's her assertion that um, I can't pronounce his name. What's the Russian Mogolovich yeah, that it, it, that Mueller has his sights on um, the heights here. Uh, Roger Stone and all these other crap players are going to get theirs, I think. Um, all right. Let me let me retract here. First of all, I was very proud of Rod Rosenstein after having been drawn in front of Congress and humiliated a week ago and then having debriefed uh, Orange 45 on what was going to happen yesterday had the um, moxie uh, to get up there and deliver a real pointed um, indictment. Not only did he go into the charges against the 12 uh, Russian secret agents at GRU, he made a real note out of the crappy mockery of a sham of a sham of a mockery of a sham that was that hearing. (laughs) Uh, And he did it in a very subtle way by just saying, we don't conduct our business by hearing and we don't do it on TV and all that. We follow the rule of law. And absolutely, if there's one thing this GOP isn't going to follow ever is the rule of law. So that gave me heart to know that the deputy AG uh, had that kind of temerity. Two, I pointed this out to Jennifer and she was bored to death by this point, but I I think it's worth bringing up because it's kind of like analogous to when Dick Cheney shot the guy in the face and never spoke to any legal authorities and was just let off for shooting someone in the face. Uh, And then I remember doing jokes about it a month later and my friend Wilders was doing jokes about it in New York. And the New York Times Review said, who cares about the Cheney thing anymore? And Will and I were like backstage somewhere and went, because the vice president shot someone in the face and faced no legal ramifications for it. That's why it's important. Um, Jeff, Beauregard Sessions did not make this announcement yesterday because he had to recuse himself at the very beginning of this because he's down with the Russians. Yeah. And that to me is disgusting. That's the deputy AG. That's the attorney general's announcement to make. But he can't. He couldn't even go near it. He's probably not even privy to this other than what he can siphon out of the DOJ uh, because he's such a corrupt, racist, misogynist, uh, you know, scourge weasel. Yeah. 
And I think it's a terrible state of affairs when the appointed deputy AG, who they thought was going to be one of the boys, like they thought uh, uh, Mueller was going to be one of the boys, which was hilarious. The misjudgment on those two parts, I think, is the undoing of this Scambino crime family here. Because uh, <laughs> firing Comey was a terrible move on his part. Comey loved him. Comey loved him. Yeah. Comey wanted him to be president. He loved Comey, too. I mean, uh, oh, absolutely. He fired him because he panicked. Yeah. And it's like you instead you left the most staunch Republican paratrooper that ever wandered the the lantern jawed halls of character acting who <laughs> is um uh you know grim and determined and also <clears throat> this GOP can't keep a secret. It's full of uh, boob hatches and slow coaches like Devin Nunes and Louis Gomer and, and and Orange 45 himself, who do all the leaking. But Miller's operation is not. Well, those operations airtight. Um, it, the Russian gangsters, uh, I, uh, my new conjectural theory that Jennifer and I have concocted through research is that he's the biggest crime lord in the world and uh, that he's the fish I think that Miller really might want to fry at the end of the day here uh, because he's an oligarch. He has a crib at Trump Tower. He's been up to his skadukas in this um, since day jump. Uh, he's also got a, a, a degree in economics. He knows how to cheat at a real high level. And uh, I, I think there might be more. You notice how many Russians Mueller indicts? And I find that interesting. Yeah, there's been a few uh, uh, campaign people. Um, and no one in the administration other than Flynn, right, who had to, uh, well, I guess Paige Papadopoulos for, you know, delivering all that delicious coffee. <laughs> But I think by going after the Russians, he's trying to get to the heart of the matter here. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's the big, that's the godfather of the Russian mafia, pretty much. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. Greg Proops will be at Bar Lubitsch in West Hollywood on July 22nd, August 15th, and August 22nd. And he will be recording a new live album at the Punchline in San Francisco, July 27th and 28th. He'll be in Just for Laughs Toronto, September 20th through 23rd. And of course, you can catch him on Whose Line Is It Anyway every Monday night on The CW. Greg, thank you so much for being here. Can I throw in one last thing? Okay. I'm recording a podcast on the 26th at uh, San Francisco at the Punchline, and Planned Parenthood will be there as well. Uh, so I invite everyone to come to that fine show uh, in San Francisco. We'll be smoking dope outside uh, on Okello Plaza beforehand and then um, sallying in for the podcast at 8 o'clock on the 26th. Great. Well, we'll uh, make sure that uh, everybody knows about that. And again, this has been absolutely wonderful. Thanks for taking the time today. We appreciate it. Thanks, AG. Good luck to you. And thanks for doing this podcast. No problem. Have a good day. Cheers. Also this week, CNN reported that despite Facebook's reassurance, um, remember when he went to Congress and he sat in his little booster seat? Yep. Zuckerberg. <laughs> the Zuckerberg seat. He, he reassured us there were no longer um, any connection between Russia. We, we weren't sharing data with Russia anymore via Facebook. However, we found out this week the Russians did keep mining our profiles long after it was reported they had stopped, and Facebook could face a lot of problems tied to, to this story, uh, as they should. They absolutely should. I think they got fined like $635,000 this week, and everyone was like, oh, how sad for you. You're worth like $9 billion or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I understand that it's really difficult and it's a brand new field. A lot of the things they're doing, but it's no excuse when national security is compromised because you haven't created the fail safes that you need to have. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Facebook. I can't quit you. <laughs>
that is true it's impossible to leave <laughs> we're I'm all like fuck that guy yeah, fuck facebook <laughs> and then i go check facebook yeah exactly i say fuck Checking facebook in, on man. facebook it's, <laughs> yeah. it's very good this week uh cohen's lawyer said that trump had committed impeachable offenses this is lanny davis he said that by um well, basically, he said that by lying about asking Comey to go easy on Flynn, he was committing a clear abuse of power. And as we said, Giuliani said this week that Trump did ask Comey to drop the Flynn investigation. So that might be, you know, where Lanny Davis is coming from. And that's Cohen's lawyer, his mm -hmm. new lawyer. House GOP appropriators bought and paid for by the NRA, which, as we know, funneled millions of rubles into GOP congressional coffers and Trump's inaugural fund. Anyway, these appropriators in the House GOP uh, blocked funding this week for research of gun violence. Mm, interesting Lovely. yeah you're welcome again it's been blocked for decades uh, and there's a whole like group of guys like ready to do it we're like here yeah. we are we just need the go ahead and they've just been waiting yeah it's like studying marijuana <laughs> just refuse <laughs> yeah. unreasonably mm -hmm. uh upwards of 250,000 britons or uk citizens turned out in protest to trump's visit to britain this week including a floating 40-foot angry baby trump balloon <laughs> um, uh, near Parliament, as approved by the Mayor of London, which is amazing. Yeah, that's savage. I love it. I wonder how it feels to be the most hated man in the world. <laughs> it's like the most, way less cool than the most interesting man in the world, <laughs> yes. for sure. He must think he's the most loved, though, right? <laughs> I feel like he really must think that. People, people could be telling him, like, look how much they love you. <laughs> yeah, because uh, if you only limit his, like, you know, <laughs> access to certain reviews he could be convinced that yeah. the yeah. like hitler probably i keep going i keep yeah. thinking because he's so weird like the way he <laughs> oh jeez yeah, quarter Putin's of more like hitler but trump's a wannabe he is <laughs> he's a poser he's yeah a hit, he hitler really poser. is his people you're are not like, even you're not even good enough yeah his <laughs> people are telling him that baby balloon is just a depiction of his inner child yeah everybody loves somebody dearly. somebody said it's because england wants you to be the king and marry the queen and the Trump baby is so that you'll have Trump babies. Oh, wow. <laughs> I kind of want England to, you know, fight for it. Get, take us back. Let's become a let's become a colony of England oh. again. Come on, queen. I like their architecture. I mean, that'd be cool. <laughs> I do, too. I was looking at the protest and they look so much better amongst beautiful buildings. Yeah, Trafalgar <laughs> Square is really, really beautiful. And that, I think, is where the the locust of the mm -hmm. of the protests were. It was really, really nice. It is. America, fucking get out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this guy's here every goddamn day. Yeah, well, well he 89% of, uh, of uh, Britons um, hate Trump. That's his... A, his disapproval rating is 89% there. Wow. And I don't know if that's UK. I don't know if that's England. I don't know if that's uh, Great Britain. They have that kind of weird breakdown breakdown of yeah. what's a country and what's a... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he visited Scotland for a while and uh, everybody hates him there. Tens mm -hmm. of thousands of people are protesting there. Yeah, um, they he, followed him there. He was like, felt so shitty in, in England. He's like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. And so <laughs> instead of coming back to America before he goes to talk to his boyfriend Putin um he stopped he figured he'd stop at one of his golf properties right I on, was gonna say I on your dime that, that Scotland golf course that he has yeah he's got a couple uh two in Scotland one in Ireland uh. mm -hmm. they're all black holes for money too oh and they were yeah, all funded by Russia cash mm -hmm. <clears throat> anyway and I, I think Eric <laughs> anyway, I think I Eric Trump <laughs> bragged about that they were like where'd you get the money to pay for this and, and he's like we don't spend our own money we get all the money we need from the Russians and oh. then later on he denied that he said that 
too many. His teeth are too small. Yeah, they're like, look, Eric's special, everyone. Please <laughs> just don't listen to what he says. I love that uh, one of our previous guests gave us that Nosferatu, Eric Trump, side by side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so good. Uh, the Hill published a story Friday saying that they have sources that have heard that the House GOP, led by Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows, are planning on filing impeachment articles against Rosenstein as early as Monday. Uh, that's today. It's when the show airs. For uh, for information on how to respond if Rosenstein is removed, visit our Twitter and catch our retweet of Rogue NASA. You can find that at Rogue NASA or at Mueller, she wrote. Um, we've got all the information on marches, how to find marches in your area, because we definitely need to take to the streets. We need, we need a thousand giant baby Trump balloons. <laughs> and then, of course, Felony Friday. Twelve more Russians were indicted in the Trump-Russia probe, and we'll go over that later in detail, so... Guys, that's this week's news. All right. Hello. Thanks for listening to Mueller, She Wrote. I'm talking to you because we could use your help. There's lots of costs associated with creating a podcast. There's editing, sound equipment, writing and research, hosting, shipping costs and merch, branding and web design, consulting and IT. And I'm not too proud to ask for your support. Our patrons are the single source of revenue to cover these costs. And to be totally transparent, we're still in the red. That's where you come in. By becoming a patron, you not only support our efforts, but you support women in podcasting and media. And the best part is that it's not a one-way street. In return for your pledge, you'll get access to our bonus content and ad-free episodes. You'll receive our weekly newsletter and our MSW Book Club membership. And you'll get all sorts of great rewards like t-shirts, stickers, reusable tote bags made from 100% recycled materials, and even our limited edition polonium tea from Russia with Love, created just for us by our friends at JoyceTeaspoon.com. So please help us out and head over to MullerSheWrote.com and subscribe today. You'll be glad you did. All right. Welcome back. Hot notes. Today, Jordan is going to give us an update on Manafort. But first, Jaleesa has a story that dropped in New York Magazine this week about Trump-Russia connections going all the way back to 1987. It's an interesting theory, isn't it, Jaleesa? Oh, yes. So um, this is basically about how in 1987 it was like Trump's breakout year into politics because he never really commented on politics before that. And there's two theories about why that year was important. So the first is that he published The Art of the Deal, which, as we know, was his like love letter to Com, you know, capitalism, basically, like, you know, pledging his allegiance to money. And uh, the other thing is that he took a trip to Moscow. And I pledge allegiance to the money <laughs> of the United States of America. I think it's the only thing he cares about. I mean, besides his reputation, but like his money is his validation to him. So that's it kind of changed his whole like political view. And then also his trip to Moscow, of course, um, was really interesting because he left it with like a lot of political ambition. Like he got really fired up. And so the idea is that during the Soviet era, Russian intelligence, uh, they cast a wide net to gain leverage over influential figures abroad, and they still practice this today. So the Russians would lure or entrap not only prominent politicians and cultural leaders, but also people whom they saw as having potential for gaining prominence in the future. So in 1986, Soviet ambassador Yuri Dubibin, I'm assuming, <laughs> met Trump in New York and pretty much flattered him with praise for his building exploits. And he invited him to discuss the potential of building um, in Moscow. So Trump visited Moscow in July 1987. And uh, this is something he described in The Art of the Deal. So it was kind of like, I guess, um, the whole experience for him that whole year was just like kind of life-changing <laughs> so much. Were you guys born? 
No, not even nope. close. No, okay. 92. Was, yeah, yeah. Going into high school. Oh, okay. So you were born when I graduated. Oh, nice. Right, yeah, cool, yeah. Cool. Maybe I saw you there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hello, cruel world. Yeah. We hello. Could've, we could have been conceived <laughs> in a parking lot. Hello, cruel world. <laughs> oh, no. Starting strong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stop giggling like babies. I'm oh, so yeah. sorry. sorry. Like big Trump More babies. serious news organization. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, uh, Trump... <laughs> He, uh, he basically began the first of a long series of presidential flirtations, which included a flashy trip to New Hampshire and two months after his Moscow visit. Is there such a thing as a flashy trip to New Hampshire, really? Yeah, <laughs> just gold everywhere. Like, I imagine a gold suit. To gold be jet. fair, I've never been, so I shouldn't judge. What do they do out there? I, Make jam? It's beautiful. <laughs> I'm jam. sure it's absolutely beautiful. I love the whole Eastern Seaboard, so again, oh, yeah. no yeah. emails. Thank you. Very nice. <laughs> two months after Trump's Moscow visit, he... Uh, spent almost $100,000 on a series of full-page newspaper ads that was basically a published political manifesto. And uh, quote, it was quoted, an open letter from Donald J. Trump on why America should stop paying to defend countries that can afford to defend themselves. Oh, so he's been a NATO hater for a while. Exactly. And this is right up, like, aligned with Putin's whole idea, you know, of splitting NATO up and, like, destroying these Western alliances. And I think in 87, Putin was actually still in the KGB. Oh, snap. Yeah, I think they mentioned it in here, too. Yeah. he. I mean, he's been playing this the whole time. And it seems like Trump was actively, like, aligning with this agenda, even though it didn't go with what he previously thought, like, as if he couldn't have possibly not been aware of what he was doing because some people like to think like in this article talk about how people think that trump's just like oh i i just kind of played along with the idea of being powerful i didn't know what i was doing you know but this the way that he writes this letter and the you know that the strong stance that he has against like anyone that we're spending i can hear him now i didn't know america was underage i swear (laughs) (laughs) oh my god he just loves to play you know like he says he's super smart but then he loves to play dumb about the whole russia thing so it doesn't really add up you know is his brain attached to his mouth though well, we can have that verified. We can <laughs> get on that. Uh, but basically, yeah, he's he's been doing all these things, like having this strong stance against Western alliances and all the defending spending we have against the Soviet Union since the 1980s. And uh, obviously, we you know know all about the connection since then. You know, we can go on and on about. This is like a 20-page article. <laughs> like it's this, a really long they one. They list I, everything. Yeah, I really so. hope everybody gets a chance to read it. Definitely. Um, it's in what New York Magazine, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah, I've had like. Hundreds of people send me that, and it's so good. Yeah, yeah. it's a really good article. They they talk a lot about how Trump is an easy target. You know, like we've discussed this before too, because of his greed and the art of the deal. You know, is a good reason why people think that. And his sex capades, honestly. Yes. Yeah, his sexual appetite. They they specifically mention that, and it made me think, like, yeah, Hillary would not have gone for that. Like, she only gets horny for like women's rights or something. Like, I don't. <laughs> I feel like she just wouldn't have been a good target. And of course, she hated him. But yeah, Trump just fit the bill. Like, and and so kind of like how Carter Page fit. The bill totally you know just like a somebody who's easily compromised that is kind of dumb yeah and the narrative or, once or you, at least greedy like you said exactly yeah greedy very egotistic you know the sexual drive all that just um because even barack wasn't like that like there's just certain people who recently i don't even know if bush would have been so no know, i don't think so yeah trump is just so the guy for for putin and uh so yeah of course this meeting coming up uh, i mean bush did a lot of coke and stuff but I but mean, not he, like he trump uh, <laughs> yeah yeah he wasn't yeah. uh Oh, that's so funny. I think about how uh, Bush was the guy they said you wanted to have a beer with, and Trump's the guy you want to have Coke with. <laughs> like, oh, that's God. kind of the, yeah, he's definitely brought it up a Trump's notch. Trump's the guy you want to have a 14-year-old with. Oh, man. 
he well sorry uh, you know, no no not not us not you as in the collective <laughs> listeners or, or hosts but uh Putin, yeah probably no one we're talking to actually. yeah no Putin and the people that support Trump they're all okay with this 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 whole lifestyle to them is like it's it's really down to morals is what yes this is. money human trafficking <laughs> yeah yeah they're like whatever man yolo and oil that should be his slogan yeah <laughs> yeah they're acting please like don't the make Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, please don't make red yolo hats. Either. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Jesus. Nice. I'm just saying they're acting like the oligarchs of the most corrupt countries in the world. Right. Engaging in that behavior. Exactly. That's yeah. what they do. The greed, they do whatever they want. Like, they, they feel untouchable. This is what Putin But our president does. is one of them. Yeah. So. And, and Putin, he murders people just because they disagree with him. So Trump, like, he's, you know, uh, he's not there yet. Wait, you but... c- you're not supposed to do that? <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah, such just a simple the... solution. Uh, yeah, uh-oh. I didn't know. We're going to have to... We're gonna have to pack up the studio and leave. Today. Yeah, unfortunately. No, we're no. I'm kidding. We'll be... <laughs> no, it's uh, it's just so scary that Putin is a doer. He's a real big doer, and then Trump's a talker. And Trump's been talking for Putin for decades now on his behalf, and now it seems like Putin is cashing in on this. Like, I mean, it, the second Moscow trip is when the PP tape allegedly went down. So it seems like Putin got Trump all riled up at the first one. He's like, "Yeah, man, you can do anything. Like, this is perfect. We're gonna be kings." And then the next time he has him over, he records him. <laughs> You know, doing some weird stuff, allegedly. And, uh, yeah, he seems to have, you know, Trump by the balls in this summit coming up. It's I'm a germaphobe. I would never let people urinate. Right. What a weird detail to mention <laughs> to defend yourself. You know, when people lie and they're just like, I'm just going to throw you off with a random detail. Yeah, that, it's not yeah. like a, I would never be with prostitutes because I love my wife <laughs> right. and child. It's because it, it's, it's, it's icky. I'm sorry. I love my three wives and children. <laughs> uh, no, it's not nothing like that. It's like... Uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't be with prostitutes in Moscow, but I certainly wouldn't let them pee near me. Right, you need a full body suit. Come on, I'm no animal. But um, it's yeah, it's it's weird. It's like I'm no animal. <laughs> he's meeting with him, you know, at the summit, and it just it just seems like uh, like a Putin just handling his asset, you know, like just checking in. You know, what do people call it? Their annual uh, employee review, <laughs> like Trump's annual employee review. Right, he's getting his performance review. Yeah, he- yeah, and, and they're. You know, they're tight whether it's, like, against Trump's will or not. Like, Trump is clearly aligning himself with Putin, and he's not backing down. He's only doubling down. Like, they went through every little thing Trump's done, and it it all matches up. Yeah, well, we know that's his MO. Like, double down, attack, and blame others, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And this was just a really in-depth review of that, and it's just so depressing. Yeah, the fact that he's still having this summit is astounding. Yeah, yeah. I wish there was a legal way to bug him. When oh, he goes into that talk, that'd be amazing. Yeah. In Helsinki? Yeah. Uh, well, see what they I bet they'll do it there. They they have really good intelligence over there. We get a lot of our intelligence from, from uh, countries like that. So Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Of Jordan, uh, what do you have for us on Manafort shenanigans? Yes. Um, Mananigans, I yes. call them. <laughs> I was thinking of, we could start a new segment. Manafort fucks himself. Oh, <laughs> very nice. <laughs> a whole new segment. Yes. <laughs> So today, uh, just when we thought Paul Manafort couldn't screw himself any further, he and his team managed to do just that this week when the judge presiding over his Virginia trial called a bluff on Manafort and his attorneys. So what happened, basically, is Manafort requested that the trial, uh, which is only two weeks away right now, be pushed back due to the time and logistical constraints that Manafort and his team are experiencing while preparing for trial due to him being jailed in this rural Northern Neck Regional Jail in Warsaw, Virginia. So this jail is uh, the argument. Basically, it came out by Mueller's prosecution team that he's living in this VIP jail cell that has a laptop, phones, private bathroom, private shower. 
He gets access to the outside world all the time. It's a 14 by 14 foot cell. He doesn't have to wear the uniform. It's everything. It's ridiculous. So... And then uh, I think his lawyers are carting in a laptop for him to send emails on. Yeah, he's sending <clears throat> emails. Mm-hmm. He's sending emails from jail. Mm-hmm. From jail where he is for witness tampering. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just crazy. putting that out there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. So it comes out that that's the conditions of his living. And, and, and then to very timely, him and his lawyers file a request to the judge that they need more time to prepare for trial due to how far away the judge or the judge the vip jail that cell that he's staying in is it's like 100 miles away from his attorneys so yeah and they're all whining like it's it takes two hours to get there and (laughs) and we don't you know we just don't have time and and it's really it's putting a lot of pressure on us uh do you go over why they really wanted more time uh i mean uh, I, I don't think so not in the stuff i read because right before they filed that motion they got all the discovery from gates oh yes that was in there yep yeah mm-hmm. and like thousands and thousands hundred eight hundred thousand something crazy number of, of, of things yeah and probably all really fucking bad so they flipped their shit and they're like we, we they asked for a, a to push the trial back to november and mm-hmm. the, the judge is like fuck no yes <laughs> and uh yeah and then then that's when they started saying oh it's hard for us because it's so far away we need to we need time that what they were trying to do was say that it's so hard to prepare for trial that we need the trial to be in november but what happened was beautiful yeah so they basically tried to say that the reason why they needed more time was because of the length between them and where he was staying and his attorneys and so the judge totally calls his bluff and in response, Judge Ellis was like, all right, well, then how about instead of extending the trial, uh, we move you to a jail that's just closer to the Washington, D.C. area. <laughs> and we'll just solve it that way. And then, of course, within hours, Manafort's legal team essentially withdrew their previous complaints by asking Judge Ellis after further, you know, here, I have a quote. And it's really funny to me. <laughs> I think they actually filed a motion. Yeah. Yeah. What did to I stay. say? Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. made a request. But I think they actually made a yes, legal yes. filing to they, stay mm-hmm. because I don't think that the D.C. jail has very nice accommodations. Right. And that's where a bunch of super <laughs> high criminals stay. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, snap. Yeah. It's like high crimes people. Um, yeah, but Ellis's quote is fantastic. Yeah. Ellis's quote is great. I'll get to that. This one is what Manafort's team says. Oh, they gotcha. say they say after further reflection, mm-hmm. issues of distance and inconvenience must yield to concerns about his safety and more importantly, the challenges he will face in adjusting to a new place of confinement. Like having to wear a prison uniform and not having your own shower and toilet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Boo fucking who. <laughs> I'm sorry, our rich, very rich client is not used to living in squalor um, like a common person. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we need to stay. Yeah, it's going to be very hard for him to focus. It's worth <laughs> a try, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, they thought so. So so Ellis uh, totally slams them down and says, absolutely not. Uh, Mueller prosecutors were able to pick up, like we said, on the high life conditions of his cell. So that doesn't look good for their requests either. And it's uh, the judge denies his request to stay and orders him to leave. And this is what he, the judge says. It is surprising and confusing when the council identifies a problem and then opposes the most logistical solution to that problem. Defense counsel has not identified any general or specific threat to the defendant's safety at the Alexandria Detention Center. Well, yeah, that you can't see that coming as his legal team. That you can't see if we rec- if you know if we complain if we ask for a delay and we complain about the distance. If you can't see that the judge might recommend you move jails, if you can't think that far enough ahead and you're not that smart, I am not worried at all about how this trial is going to go. Oh yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's insane, especially when they're being monitored by Mueller's team and he's living in this these conditions which are just so excessive. He's getting all of these privileges. It's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, of course they're going to move you. This is what else would they come back with? They're going to be like, "Oh yeah, you're right. Let's give you let's give you more time and more privileges cuz you're really roughing it out here it's like not on his side at all for them to ask that yeah but they were still worried like but what about his safety what about his safety yeah right but i yeah. think ellis had a reply to that too the i didn't i don't have that quote do you have that quote? Uh, i think i have it in my head he okay. said something to the effect of the good people at the at the prison that i'm moving you to are very very skilled at protecting um spies what does he say Spies, terrorists, and traitors. Oh, yes. I remember us talking about that this week. (laughs) I was like, snap, Ellis. Yes. You just got Ellis, man, for it. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's insane. It's just so beautiful for him to get shut down. Uh, And just a reminder, Manafort has been held at the Northern Neck Regional Jail since another federal judge presiding over his case in Washington, D.C., revoked his bail last month and ordered that he be jailed upon learning that Manafort had attempted to contact potential government witnesses in the days after Mueller brought superseding indictments against him. Uh, this <laughs> A.K.A. witness tampering. Yeah. What yeah. a piece of shit. Yeah. Mueller has now slapped Manafort with three superseding indictments in two federal courts, amounting to more than 40 charges related to money laundering, tax and bank fraud, conspiracy, and other financial crimes. So, Trump, if you're listening, your former campaign manager is sitting in jail awaiting trial for conspiracy. You guys are fucked. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, and also, uh, too, just to add on a little add-on to that story, uh, that judge also denied the motion to dismiss all that storage locker evidence in Virginia that they found. Um, all uh, it's already been dis- uh, dismissed in D.C. He asked for that too. He's asked for like nine different ways for this to be dismissed. He said he filed a civil suit saying that uh, Mueller was out of his scope. He filed another motion saying Mueller shouldn't have been appointed in the first place. <laughs> and every single one of his motions has been denied. He is fucked. Fucked. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a while since we've done that. <clears throat> yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I wanted yeah. to give. I wanted to give one. Yeah. I almost forgot. I wanted to give one. All right, you guys. So this week, after testifying for 11 hours behind closed doors last week, Peter Strzok testified, sort of, uh, before the the same House committees that he did last week. But this time it was televised and it lasted for 10 hours. And when I say he testified sort of, I mean it was more like a House Republican, they were just spewing idiocy at Strzok for five minutes and then not allowing him to respond. Uh, the hearing was absolutely ridiculous. Trey Gowdy got to question him for over 15 minutes twice uh, instead of the usual five minutes. Uh, and Goodlot was like, don't worry. I feel like he's the heat miser. Don't worry. Um, I'm going to give liberal time to everyone. Uh, the normal five-minute rule doesn't apply. Uh. And then after Gowdy and Jim Jordan and then Gowdy got to go again, then he's like, all right, we're going to adhere now to the strict five-minute rule from here on out. So the Dems didn't get more than five minutes. Um, even though they were promised liberal time. But yeah, he revoked that after Gowdy got to grill him forever. And then uh, early on, the Dems asked for the GOP to cite the committee rule that prevents them from releasing the transcripts of the private hearings. And then they had like a 15-minute argument uh, about it where the GOP ignored parliamentary procedures and ran roughshod over the minority, just disgustingly and blatantly. They ended up tabling a motion to consider a motion to have a vote to talk about it, which is the dumbest bullshit I've ever heard in my fucking life. But it makes sense, as we said last week, that the GOP doesn't want the private interview released because I'm sure Strzok was actually afforded the opportunity to answer questions during that hearing because it wasn't televised. Mm. 
Uh, there was a point when Goodlot wanted to hold Strzok in contempt because he refused to answer questions about an open and ongoing investigation per the Department of Justice rules and per the FBI, which prompted Swalwell to ask for a subpoena then to compel Bannon to answer the questions as a point of fairness. Um, and that was, of course, denied. So yeah, yeah, after a really annoying roll call vote and just getting literally everybody they could in the room. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Vote. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just to table the motion to table it too. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's always stupid. voting on it's like let's vote on voting. <laughs> and that is usually what takes the longest. Yeah. Are we going to have a vote? Let's vote to vote on it. Yeah. And talk about it later. That is so it's annoying. So it's so and then you could just table indefinitely as a chair. You yeah. Do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, and they know that, but I think yeah. I think the main point of that is to get their voices on the record. Oh, okay. <clears throat> okay. Just to say, "Hey, I I did a motion. It was seconded. We were supposed to vote." It, we d- they didn't allow it. And they could write up this whole long report about all the shit that they obstructed. Yeah, yeah. So this hearing was such a farce that the GOP members were basically yelling at Strzok for the duration of their time. And then not only would the chair not let him respond because there was no question, like each GOP member would be like, and my final comment, and this isn't a question, it doesn't require an answer, is this. <laughs> Barf. Uh, so yeah, they wouldn't let him respond. And then not only that, but the GOP members would get up and leave after their television time. So they weren't even interested in his responses. Uh, and they don't want the private transcripts released. They aren't after the truth here. And it's so effing obvious to me and pretty much everybody else. Yeah, Trey Gowdy had a great performance. Oh, yes. Mm, yes, yes. well done. Very nice, well done, very nice. sir. You seem very upset. You and your pointy head. You see his little mic drop, but they can't really drop it. <laughs> yeah. So he just kind of bent it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have these little uh, stretchy mics. on. on <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, he's like, and that's the end of my time. And he just bats it down. <laughs> You're like, you're... He just pouts for the rest of the time. I was watching Forensic Files this week, and one of the prosecutors going after a murderer was Trey, Trey Gowdy. Oh, man. And he's sitting there like, I just know that we have to prosecute people, and we're going to get his ass. And I'm like, oh, my God, I hate you. <laughs> I want to find all the bullies that bullied these pieces of shit as kids and just be like, you guys started this. Yeah. You Are you sure assholes? he wasn't the bully? I don't know. He just he, they he make looks it into like Congress. Sometimes. He has such a pointy head. <laughs> yeah. So the majority of the hearing was the GOP drilling him on his text messages to Lisa Page, uh, but they were never able to connect Strzok's bias against Trump to any wrongdoing in his investigation. They kept alleging that his bias shows his clear intent to take down President Trump, but that argument is so dumb. If Strzok wanted to take down Trump and ensure he wasn't elected. All he needed to do was leak what he knew to the press, and he didn't, which is, you know, that completely destroys any argument that he was intent on some sort of insurance policy, quote unquote, to make sure Trump didn't get elected. He also put his texts in context for the GOP, but they weren't interested in hearing the context. Um, His bias against Trump came from his knowledge of what Trump had done, both public and classified. Uh, For instance, his text about Trump being unqualified to be president was in response to Trump insulting a Muslim gold star family. Uh, but the GOP wouldn't let him talk about this. They didn't give a shit about the context. They just parsed the the actual literal meaning of the texts, which you, you can't do in text messages. And they talked over him to try to shut him up. And privately speaking, Strzok said that if we knew what he knew about what Trump had done, we wouldn't want him to be president either. One of my favorite moments was when the Democrat from Northern Virginia seemed to be attacking him at first by asking him if he emailed or tweeted or texted a series of communications that were demeaning to Trump. But they actually turned out to be things the Republicans had said about Trump. He's like, Mr. Strzok, did you say Mr. Trump is unfit to be president and his sexual actions and, you know, the way that he speaks are completely unacceptable and I can't support him as president? Did you send that text? And he's like, 
no and he's like that's right congressman republican congressman so-and-so said that and he just went off on this whole thing basically the point being that most people shared struck's feelings republicans included and i for one would like to see trey gowdy's personal text messages about hillary during the benghazi and clinton email Mm -hmm. investigations i'm sure they're completely unbiased right and totally fine and normal anyway Dickhead. It's also important to note that some of the same Republicans questioning Strzok's integrity have conspired with the mob. They've been caught paying for abortions and covering up um, uh, affairs. Uh, And in the case of Jim Jordan, he's embroiled in a scandal where he failed to report child molestation when he was required by law to do so. So listen to this clip um, by Hakeem Jeffries, and he, he goes after the concept of what a Republican villain looks like. Russian collusion in the 2016 election has resulted in 23 indictments correct uh, i don't know the number but it's sizable it's resulted in 18 individuals uh who have been indicted true uh, again i don't know the numbers but um three corporate entities have been indicted in connection with the trump russian collusion investigation correct uh, i'll accept your representation i don't know uh, the investigation has identified at least 75 different criminal acts correct uh again sir i haven't tallied them up uh, there have been five guilty pleas true uh, I believe that's correct, sir, but I'm not certain. Trump's campaign manager, Paul Manafort, has been charged with conspiracy to defraud the United States of America, correct? Uh, he's been charged. I don't know the specific uh, crimes. He's sitting in jail right now as a result of alleged witness tampering, correct? Yes, sir. Trump's former national security advisor, Michael Flynn, has pled guilty to lying to the FBI, correct? Yes, sir. Trump's deputy campaign manager, Rick Gates, has been indicted for conspiracy to defraud the United States, correct? Uh, sir, he's been indicted. I don't know the charges. George Papandopoulos, a former Trump campaign national security advisor, has pled guilty to lying to federal investigators about his contacts with Russian spies during the campaign. True? Uh, Certainly with Russians. I I don't know how to characterize those Russians. Okay. Now, the FBI publicly disclosed information about the Hillary Clinton email investigation 11 days prior to the election in 2016. True? Uh, Yes, sir. I believe that's right. But the FBI maintained confidentiality about the Trump-Russia criminal investigation during the entire duration of the Trump presidential campaign, correct? Yes, sir. So if you really wanted to stop Donald Trump from becoming president, you could have revealed the criminal investigation into the Trump campaign to the American people prior to the election. True? Yes, sir. Mr. Strzok, you know, you are before this committee for one reason, to serve as a monumental distraction. There is a criminal investigation into the Trump campaign and possible crimes related to the 2016 presidential election involving collusion with Russian spies to sell out our democracy and hijack the presidency. My colleagues in the cover-up caucus don't like that criminal investigation and therefore they need to identify a villain. Mr. Strzok, tag, you're it. Here's what's so ironic about that characterization. Vladimir Putin is a thug and a dictator who hijacked and interfered and attacked our democracy. But apparently, he doesn't meet the Republican villain test. Our so-called commander-in-chief continues to play footsie with him. Kim Jong-un murders his people and has threatened nuclear annihilation against American 
cities. But apparently, he doesn't meet the Republican villain test. The administration continues to engage in fake negotiations with him. David Duke and neo-Nazis, apparently for some, don't meet the Republican villain test. Oh, that's right. I forgot. There are fine people on both sides. Roy Moore, an alleged serial pedophile, apparently doesn't meet the Republican villain test. He was the nominee of your party for a seat in the United States Senate. But we're supposed to believe that Agent Peter Strzok, a former Army officer who has served the FBI with distinction, yes, made some mistakes, is the gravest existential threat to our democracy. How dare you lecture us about villains when your party continues to turn a blind eye to that parade of degenerates that I just listed. This investigation is a joke. It's a fraud. This hearing is a kangaroo court. It is a three-wing circus. It is not even meritorious of an investigation by Ace Ventura pet detective, let alone 75 members of the United States Congress. Let's stop wasting taxpayer dollars. And then Democrat Jackson Lee asked a question about why Strzok had texted that they had to hurry to follow up on a lead, um, to which he responded that they had a very scary uh, piece of intel from a single reputable source that they had to get to the bottom of as soon as possible. And that's the first time a law enforcement officer has mentioned this source publicly. I personally think the source is Alexander Downer and the intel the Australians had uh, on Papadop after he spoke to Mifsud, but I'm speculating there. And then uh, Nadler asked Strzok why he had prioritized Trump-Russia over the Wiener laptop. And he said, first, his director told him to. <laughs> and second, when you're looking to allocate resources, you have a limited number of resources to allocate, you're going to go after a presidential candidate colluding with a foreign adversary, or are you going to go after a lady unwit unwittingly mishandling classified information? It seems like a no-brainer, right, to me. So that's why he did it, and that the IG report Horowitz, you know, bears that out as well. So... And I would be remiss here if I didn't mention a, a tweet from Rick Wilson saying that we actually got very good news on Thursday that hasn't been made public yet. And I have it on good authority um, that the news is about the private struck hearings last week, and it's a bombshell. So, beans. <laughs> and finally, I want to play for you um, one of the only times the GOP gave struck time to respond to anything, and it's amazing. My husband and I were wondering if Sorkin wrote it for him. <laughs> I guarantee that this monologue will end up in the movie they make about this investigation. Uh, sir, I think it's important when you look at those texts that you understand the context in which they were made and the things that were going on across America. In terms of the text that we will stop it. You need to understand that that was written late at night, off the cuff, and it was in response to a series of events that included then-candidate Trump insulting the immigrant family of a fallen war hero. And my presumption, based on that horrible, disgusting behavior, that the American population would not elect somebody demonstrating that behavior to be president of the United States. It was in no way, unequivocally, any suggestion that me, the FBI would take any action whatsoever 
to improperly impact the electoral process for any candidate. So I, I take great offense and I take great disagreement to your assertion of what that was or wasn't. As to the 100 million to one, that was clearly a statement made in jest and using hyperbole. I, of course, recognize that millions of Americans were likely to vote for candidate Trump. I acknowledge that is absolutely their right. That is what makes our democracy such a vibrant process that it is. But to suggest somehow that we can parse down the words of shorthand textual conversations like there's some contract for a car is, is simply not consistent with my or most people's use of text messaging. I can assure you, Mr. Chairman, at no time in any of these texts did those personal beliefs ever enter into the realm of any action I took. Furthermore, this isn't just me sitting here telling you you don't have to take my word for it. At every step, at every investigative decision, there are multiple layers of people above me, the assistant director, executive assistant director, deputy director, and director of the FBI, and multiple layers of people below me, section chiefs, supervisors, unit chiefs, case agents, and analysts, all of whom were involved in all of these decisions. They would not tolerate any improper behavior in me any more than I would tolerate it in them. That is who we are as the FBI. Hey, Mueller Junkies. Thank you so much for supporting our show and supporting women in podcasting. I need to ask you for a quick favor that will not cost you a dime. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and then subscribe. That simple act goes a long way to helping us get the word out about the Mueller investigation. And more importantly, it expands our efforts to flip Congress blue in November. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at Mueller She Wrote to be automatically entered to win a PlayStation 4. Don't ask. Thank you so much for listening. We would not be here without you. All right, you ready for the Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. Yeah. All right, you guys. Well, we got another Felony Friday this week. And we got another point for naming the next indictments to be a bunch of mar- a bunch of Russians. <laughs> yeah. I think that was what we were saying. Um, Friday morning, Rosenstein held a last minute press conference. I, I was I was sleeping. Everyone's texting me, "Get up, Rosenstein's gonna talk." Blah. It's not an emergency though. It's just last minute. And I was like, "Oh shit!" So I, I tweeted out, "I bet it's Russians. I bet he's got the Russians that hacked the DNC." Boom. That's what happened, right? Uh, he had uh, he announced that the the indictment of 12 Russian GRU officers that hacked into and fished the DNC, Podesta, and the DCCC, along with an attempt to hack Hillary Clinton's emails, which happened on the same day Trump called for the Russians to find her 30,000 missing emails. Our opening segment, our, our opening sequence is getting very prescient. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> it's, it's prophetic. Uh, if you've been listening to Mueller, she wrote, nothing Rosenstein said in his press conference was particularly surprising. Um, and it appears the mainstream media is catching up with Mueller, she wrote. So that's good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Rosenstein began by saying 12 GRU officers by name conspired to interfere in our 2016 election. They hacked in, stole, and released the documents, and one conspired to hack into state-run election computers and software systems. There were two units uh, in this indictment, one that broke in and stole, and the other that distributed the stolen materials, weaponized them. They used spear phishing and direct hacking and tried to conceal their connections to Russia by paying for it all with Bitcoin. So they are all kind of dorky wearing fedoras and they have pet tarantulas. Yeah, I guess exactly <laughs> what I was saying. Their advisors like some 13-year-old kid in a basement. I'm sorry. If you're into Bitcoin, I love you. 
Uh, we went on to say that uh, the Russians created, f- sorry, he went on to say that Russians created fake online personas, including DC leaks and Guccifer 2.0, which Trump originally said was probably a 400 pound guy in his bedroom. And then other people said he was a lone Romanian hacker. Guccifer said he was. Uh, but turns out there's proof both were Russians linked to the GRU, not just rogue Russians, government Russian officials in their, in their uh, intelligence community. He said they used an unnamed organization as a pass-through, which we know is WikiLeaks. Uh, they don't name it, but we know. And it's likely not mentioned in this indictment because they're, it, because it ties Trump um, or Trump campaign aides right. uh, into it. And Mueller isn't done with that investigation yet. Roger Stone. <laughs> Good Stone. No, it's a different guy. Uh, and then uh, he made a very telling statement that Trump and Trump supporters believe exonerates the president from participating He said, quote, the conspirators corresponded with several Americans during the course of the conspiracy, but there's no allegation in this indictment that the Americans knew they were corresponding with Russian intelligence officers. He he tried so hard not to put a little stank on the word this. There's nothing in this indictment. Mm -hmm. He just kind of glazed right over it. He's like, there's nothing in this indictment. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, you motherfucker. He also said, quote, there's no allegation in this indictment that any American citizen committed a crime, and there's no allegation that the conspiracy changed the vote count. There's no allegation that the conspiracy changed the vote count or affected any election result, but the investigation is ongoing. Hell yeah. But the investigation is ongoing. That's him, not me. Mm-hmm. He's saying that. So basically, there's no Americans indicted yet. There's no collusion yet. There's nothing in here about the vote count change yet. Stay tuned. That's did someone ask him or did he just say that in his statement without being asked? That's in his statement without being asked. That kind of annoys me. I don't know why they did, like why they have to say that. Yeah. I guess because it's almost like pandering to Trump who always wants to be exonerated <clears throat> publicly and that fucking pisses me off. I think um, what Mueller is mostly trying to do here with this speaking indictment is to make sure that we're doing something to stop the fucking Russians. Mm-hmm. That's like number one. Yeah. I, you know, we can get them all on collusion in a minute and we will. But he's meeting with Putin like they 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 dropped this indictment the day before he was going to leave yeah, to go to Helsinki. He's, he made a stop in Scotland, but because he was bored. But yeah, the timing is really interesting and, and very crucial. Um, so after the official announcement, I personally read the 29 page indictment. I read the 29 page indictment and I watched 10 hours of struck <laughs> this week. Um, first, I think Roger Stone has flipped. Uh, And the reason I think that is because of the allusion to him in the indictment. Quote, the conspirators posing as Guccifer 2.0 also communicated with U.S. persons about the release of stolen documents. On or about August 15th, 2016, the conspirators posing as Guccifer 2.0 wrote to a person who was in regular contact with a senior member of the presidential campaign of Donald J. Trump. Quote, thank you for writing back. Do you find anything interesting in the docs I posted? And then on or about August 17th, the conspirators added, please let me know if I can help you anyhow. It would be great pleasure to me. Yeah, that doesn't sound like uh, (laughs) English as second language or anything. (laughs) Then actually, probably it's like a fourth. Anyway, then on or about September 9th, the conspirators referred to a stolen DCCC document posted online and asked the person, quote, what do you think of the info on the turnout model for Democrats' entire presidential campaign? And the person responded, pretty standard. And we know from previous credible sources and reporting that those were the texts exchanged with Stone. So note that we think Stone has flipped or he's either flipped or he's in complete denial because he's actually refuting uh, that he's the reference or that he's the person referenced in in the indictment. And he's saying that there's still no collusion. Yeah. Also, Stone doesn't write in full sentences ever. (laughs) 
That's the biggest giveaway. <laughs> He's Russian, too. Um, we also learned that on the same day that Trump said he hoped the Russians could find the 30,000 emails that are missing, uh, the conspirators attempted to hack into Hillary's private server. Mueller even noted the time in the indictment so that we would be sure to know that the hack attempt came after Trump called for it. So is that a coincidence or did someone tell him to say that? Hmm. That's the whole crux of whether or not he is a conspirator. Yeah. We also learned that uh, the Russian interference went well beyond hacking and releasing and troll farms. Uh, there were Russians posing as American journalists and some were writing for left-leaning publications mm -hmm. like Counterpunch and Muckraker specifically named as Alice Donovan. And that brings me uh, to the astounding level of detail in these indictments. Much like the first uh, round of Russian indictments, Mueller's team has information they could have only gleaned from a very close, like full-on ongoing surveillance. So Mueller knows everything, you guys. Um, something peculiar is what is not mentioned in the indictments. It completely leaves out the hacking of the RNC. And I think that's very telling. Because everything that's left out of these indictments means that it's wrapped up, in my mind, means it's wrapped up in the collusion uh, on the American side. So that must mean that the RNC hack is somehow wrapped up in the collusion investigation. Uh, and I think that will be exposed in later indictments of Americans. But, but like, how? Does it, does it prove the GOP knowledge of the conspiracy? Or was it used as leverage to control their votes and their actions against the Department of Justice and the FBI? It's just really peculiar that it's not in there. Also of note... When Rosenstein refers to the conspirators, he means the 12 Russians plus the 12 Russians. That was weird. <laughs> I was like drunk for a second. The 12 Russians. Um, when, when he refers to the conspirators, because the conspirators comes up a lot in this indictment, just that word. He means the 12 Russians plus, quote, others known and unknown to the grand jury, unquote. If there were no others... He would have just said that Americans didn't know they were talking to Russians, but that is not what he said. And as I mentioned, he said there are no allegations in this indictment. That statement coupled with the fact that he defines the conspirators as Russians mentioned and others known and unknown to the grand jury. Make no mistake, just because there are no Americans indicted here doesn't mean there won't be. You guys ready for sabotage? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is interesting. In his press conference announcing the new Russian indictments, Rosenstein mentioned that he had briefed the president. Oddly, hours before the announcement, the night before, at about 11 p.m., Trump tweeted out a random tweet in support of Matt Gates, seemingly out of nowhere. He said, quote, Congressman Matt Gates of Florida is one of the finest and most talented people in Congress, strong on crime, the border, illegal immigration, the Second Amendment, our great military and vets. Matt worked tirelessly on helping get our massive tax cuts. He has my full endorsement. Well, he's already in office, so. <laughs> yeah, you got that. This is weird, right? Like, every time Trump tweets out support for somebody, it means they're fucked. Uh, <laughs> it, it's especially interesting because the indictments mention a U.S. congressman that reached out to Guccifer 2.0 to get hacked materials, and that Guccifer 2.0 gave that U.S. congressman hacked materials. And that there is a Florida GOP campaign operative that was also mentioned. So that's interesting. It's a Florida person. And mm -hmm. Gates is Floridian. Could the congressman be Matt Gates? If so, that's conspiracy and aiding and abetting. Just wow. so you know. The other option is that it could be Brian Mast, whose campaign manager said he used hacked materials he got from the Florida operative, Aaron Nevins. We know him to be Aaron Nevins. Uh, and he did that to win his seat in Florida's 18th. 
The other option is Curbelo, because on August 15th, Guccifer blog post, uh, um, posted a memo that there was possible Dem vulnerability in the campaign of Tadeo and Garcia, and those are the two Dems facing off in the Florida primary. And then on August 15th is the same date that Mueller says U.S. congressional candidates reached out to Guccifer for get, to get hacked materials. Garcia won the primary, but lost to Curbelo in the general. So I just find it, but I really find it so odd that Trump tweeted about Gates last night, right after Rosenstein likely briefed him on this indictment. So Gates, Mast, or Curbelo. Put some beans on it. All right, you guys, it's time for our Q&A segment. We only have a few here uh, this week. Um, at OBS509 asked, what are the odds that Rosenstein will be successfully impeached? And if the GOP fails, what's the downside for them? Well... To impeach somebody, I think you need two-thirds of vote. I, I don't think they're going to get it. They might get it in the House, probably not. They definitely they have zero votes in Senate for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the point isn't impeachment. The point is to create a pretext for Trump to fire Rosenstein. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I, I don't know. Do you think they're actually going to try? I, I don't know. The downside for them is that this could be somehow linked to obstruction or part of the conspiracy if, if, if it comes down to it to, to create sort of a an intent a corrupt intent exactly you're just kind of piling on to that exactly they need Uh to be smart about that if they're gonna make it out of this alive which i hope they don't but if (laughs) i were consulting them like a like guys chill out let the let the investigation run its course if you're innocent you have nothing to worry about exactly but also yeah i don't know how much of it is them being all trey gowdy like just (laughs) wanting stage time honestly they're like this is getting a lot of hits so i'm gonna jump on this and be real dramatic about it yeah or they took russian money and russia has emails on them compromat and they have no choice yeah i definitely know a lot of the key players that's the case Mm -hmm. uh at jaegerman appreciates our confidence in flipping the house um and wonders if there are certain races that needs that need more help than others yes Yes. and where what you can do jordan Go to Swing Left. Uh, if you just Google Swing Left, first result that comes up, uh, you'll take it to their website. They Basically, you type in your zip code. They'll tell you the closest swing election to you, and then they will, uh, whether or not you're in it, they'll send you email updates on how you can help, whether it be donating, volunteering, phone banking. Uh, so that's very important. There's obviously the really hot-button ones like Andrew Jans against Nunes. We had him on the pod. You can look mm-hmm. back and listen to that one. Rauda against Rohrabacher. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of swing. 136 swing districts, I think, in the country where, where Hillary won, but there's a, a Republican who's up for re-election. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, swingleft.org mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, at Big Politics Nerd says, quote, assuming Roger Stone is the unnamed person in Mueller's indictment, what do you think is the rationale for not naming him? Uh, is it just to keep it sealed so Trump doesn't completely lose it, or is it part of a bigger play? Uh, I think that everyone who's not named and the, the leaving out of anything in these indictments is because whatever's left out is rolled up in the collusion investigation, yeah. and he's going to just throw all those out at once, because you can't... He's got the outer ring, right? He's got the low-hanging fruit, the Russians. Okay, Now he's going to move into the inner ring, and you can't start moving into the target, to the center, until you know, because you don't want to, you don't want to indict Stone and then indict Kushner and then indict Donald Trump Jr. because you want to have the whole package. Right. Bam, get everybody at once. It's kind of what I th- is my thinking. Otherwise, you give people the opportunity to prepare their defense or you it gets leaked and all the information gets out to them on on how to you know on how they can expect to be prosecuted yeah and they keep and they keep getting people to flip that previously were you know never gonna flip cohen yeah you know (laughs) cohen stone i think stone's flipped um 
if he's not he's just he's just insane uh manafort they aren't i don't think they're trying to flip him definitely not Um, that guy's fucking so gone there's nothing i don't think there's anything he can offer on on this and i think all the collusion is going to come out of the other area russia will just kill him yeah i think there's a legitimate chance that would happen he's better off in jail he yeah safer yeah he there's nowhere he can go um venezuela maybe i don't know i don't know (laughs) Uh, at Seth Gilbert 19 wants to know if a sitting president in 2020 can add to the total number of Supreme Court justices, because if not, our progressive policies will be obliterated for the rest of our lives. That brings me to the Democratic backbone. It needs medical attention. Um, we cannot beat Republicans without bold action. And here's what we need to do in this order. Flip Congress. Okay, We have to flip Congress. If we don't do that, none of this other shit's going to work. That's why it's so imperative to vote this November. Help Obama and Eric Holder fix gerrymandering. Okay, that's step two. Grant statehood to D.C. and Puerto Rico to add representatives and senators on the Democratic side. Give dreamers and immigrants citizenship and the right to vote. Pass legislation adding two seats to the Supreme Court after we win the presidency in 2020. Then we will have the majority needed to overturn Citizens United, get money out of politics, and create a parliamentary, parliamentary democracy that dovetails with our Constitution. Okay, unless we create a system of government that actually represents the citizens, we will be stuck in this GOP shit spiral that will last decades and millions of Americans will be left behind. Our rights are going to get trampled. It is time for the Democrats to get serious. This is our last chance. We have to stop dicking around. And the most important step is, is this November. So as Jordan said, visit swingleft.org. Or, you know, and there, there's tons of calls to action there. And just keep listening to Mueller, she wrote. I've been AG. Oh, yeah. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Mueller, she wrote. Mueller, she wrote, is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Market consulting by Amanda Reeder at Unicorn Creative. Our digital media director and subscriber managers are Jordan Coburn and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Fact checking and research by AG with support from Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Muller She Wrote staff includes AG, Jaleesa Johnson, Jordan Coburn, Sarah Hirschberger Valencia, Jesse Egan, and Sarah Lee Steiner. Our web design and branding are by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. Season four of How We Win is here. For the past four years, we've been making history in critical elections all over the country. And last year, we made history again by expanding our majority in the Senate, beating election-denying Republicans in crucial state house races, and fighting back a non-existent red wave. But the MAGA Republicans who plotted and pardoned the attempted overthrow of our government now control the House thanks to gerrymandered maps and repressive anti-voter laws. And the chaotic spectacle we've already seen shows us just how far they will go to seize power, dismantle our government, and take away our freedoms. So the official podcast of The Persistence is back with season four. There's so much more important work ahead of us to fight for equity, justice, and our very democracy itself. We'll take you behind the lines and inside the rooms where it happens 
with strategy and inspiration from progressive changemakers all over the country. And we'll dig deep into the weekly news that matters most and what you can do about it with messaging and communications expert, co-founder of Way to Win, and our new co-host, Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. So join Steve and I every Wednesday for your weekly dose of inspiration, action, and hope. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. And And this this is is How We Win. Win. MSW Media.